and look tomorrow the the renewal of the Eucharist uh, the the uh, the old expression the Eucharist makes the church and the church makes the Eucharist uh, so we uh, and we also call to mind all forms of service particularly service of the ministerial priesthood from which we've all benefited in one way so bringing this and bringing once again the intentions of all of of all of us, all of our brothers and sisters who are sick, who have family members who are sick, who have lost loved ones, especially the healthcare providers working so heroically and selflessly. So we begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. Amen. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Saint Alphonsus, pray for us. Father of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome back. I just uh, again checking in. Is everybody still healthy? Everybody uh, uh, doing well? I hope. Yes. Now, you know, uh, last week when uh, I ended, we had about two more people watching than are in the class. Father. So, yeah. So, well, I mean. It, one, one, of, one of the students said that he was following on his computer as well as his cell phone. Because okay. his computer did Maybe that was it. Because, I mean, if. if, if you're desperate enough to want to hack into something like this. You've been quarantined too long. Uh, you can be, uh, you can be sure of that, you know, uh, uh, but no, I just, yeah, but I'm glad at least everybody's is with us. I apologize for this, uh, in, in the fact that we have, uh, not only do we not have a triduum, uh, but we really, uh, I, you know, we have class on, uh, uh, Holy Week and class Easter week. Uh, so it's like, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, so much for celebrating the resurrection. Uh, but let's see what we can do about that. Uh, but what I'd like to do, we're in a good place, as I mentioned uh, the last time in terms of what we want to accomplish, we should very easily uh, be able to finish uh, the the part of the course that deals with fundamental moral theology, which is specifically what we uh, what, what we advertise for. Uh, but there's also an opportunity for us to at least to uh, not do all, but at least do some uh, particular uh, issues uh, in the what in, 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 which is like basically the last three chapters of Bohr's book. Uh, the, uh, the, the the sexual ethics, bioethics, and Catholic social teaching. Uh, those in the diaconate program, uh, preparation program, uh, will certainly have the opportunity uh, to take a course the the on, on special moral theology, where we devote the whole course to these issues. And other people in the program have the option of doing that. I, it, it, I think it might be it would be available as an elective. I think, uh, but what I would suggest is if we over the next 
a week or two, uh, if you think uh, of some issues, we don't necessarily, because there'll be other opportunities to do it, to, do it, to deal with it systematically. But if you want, I'd like to have you folks uh, kind of set the agenda for the last couple of classes on these special issues. So if there's something that you want to, a question that you have, an issue that you want to see we can bring up, uh, please email me or something like that so that we can do it because we have, I think, a little bit of the freedom to make it more user-friendly uh, in that sense. And then if there's going to be special issues that are of concern to you, interest to you, uh, we have the freedom, I think, to do it in that, you know, maybe less systematic, uh, but I could, I could organize them if you have them. Uh, if not, then I can, I can try to synthesize uh, you know some of the some of these issues. You know some of the topics, but I'd rather like to have you you, you have a chance to uh, uh, you know maybe talk about what you want to talk about. Where were you, Monsignor? Yeah. Before you begin, sorry, I just wanted to ask. Um, so on the syllabus, you know, there was the final exam, but also like another paper. Um, right. So I just wanted to know what the situation with that is about as we're drawing to the close. Oh, I didn't get that originally. Is that? I, I just want to know what uh, the paper that we have to write, um, just yeah. what are kind of the guidelines on that? Oh, I'm sorry. It, it is, again, especially given that, I mean, I, I, I wish I could try to pare that down, but I'm in trouble with that, with the, uh, with the accreditation thing. You need to have, demonstrate that you had, uh, one for people taking it for credit, one instrument per credit. So I don't, I don't want to, uh, you know, get ourselves screwed up with that. But I obviously realize that you know, the library is off limits now, and you know. Uh, so to answer the question, it would be a uh, a reflection paper. It could be uh, on on some topic that we've uh, talked about that you want to talk more about or some topic that you want to take a different position on, or it could be some article or that you've read or, or something like that. It doesn't need to be a research paper, but more, uh, you know, taking, digesting the classes and the readings, uh, maybe, and then you know, something that is of interest to you. Uh, the, the uh, what, uh, you know, it, it may be, uh, it, everybody's situation is different, but, just thinking out loud now, you know, and you're in, uh, as a teacher, you know, you might say, let me, uh, you know, uh, uh, give you, you know, draw up like a, 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 a an outline for an, a, a class that you want to teach or a course that you want to give, you know, something like that uh, based on this. Or some of the deacon candidates found it helpful to use uh, to, to like write a homily. Uh, on some subject. Uh, so again, what I'm trying to say, and I, I don't want to be vague about it, but it does not need to be like a, a, a term paper uh, because that, that would be, uh, you know, wouldn't be necessary and, and it would be difficult, obviously, with the, uh, given the situation that we're in, that not a lot of things available online, obviously, but uh, understanding that you may not have at your disposal all of the resources that you would to do research. So it'd be something like that. It's a chance to be a little creative. 
But if you have any other questions or anything you want to run by, uh, you know, uh, you know, just you know, email or call or whatever it would be for any, you know, whatever, whatever would be anybody has any questions. I think, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it could it could be just uh, somebody. You know, obviously, uh, some some have chosen to you know uh, reflect on on difficult medical decisions that they had to make in their family or, or something like that, 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 uh, it could be something of that order. Is that helping a little, any, in any way? Yes. Thank you so much. No problem. Um, the, what we, where, 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 what I'd like to get us into tonight is to kind of like, uh, you know, finish up, uh, as much as we can, what we said about conscience and the the judgment of conscience, the actions of uh, how conscience works, uh, and then to speak a little bit about the formation of conscience, uh, and then we'll be in a position to uh, break into the last uh, major section where we'll be talking about uh, you know uh, virtue. The, the, the sin and you know moral responsibility. Uh, finally, at the end of the the line, uh, we finally get in a moral theology class. We finally get to talk about sin. Uh, you know, so the the those of us who are Irish have you, you knew it would come sometime. Uh, but uh, first, you know, I, I I'd like to ask if there's any any from what we've done. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, if there's any questions or reflections. What I have is a, uh, I, I tried to send via, uh, the only way I could get a blast email, I think, without Cynthia being on the property, uh, was to use the Popoli, uh email that it said to me that it went. Uh, but I, I just gave like a bit of a skeleton that might help us you know, organize. It does, in, in some respects, follow the, uh, the, the 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 outline of that that Bohr would use in the chapters. But again, I, I I've you know kind of edited it a bit and 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 pared it down a bit for in the interest of time and and, and space. But at least it gives us some kind of a. I, I sent two: one looking backwards on conscience and the moral act, and then one on virtue, sin. Uh, the for, um, conscience formation and uh, virtue and sin. Uh, hopefully that, that would be kind of, 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 of helpful. But where I think we, you know, we, we, we kind of left off is that we were talking about uh, the, 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 the conscience, the, the, you might say the two senses of conscience, conscience where it is uh, a uh, the, 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 that, that, that sense of that, that, that uh, abiding sense of the, being directed toward, towards the good. Again, that, that, uh, that, that, that idea of uh, that, that we detect the law in our heart that we didn't write ourselves. You might say the very poetic way that the Second Vatican Council spoke of the experience of conscience. And then the judgment. In this case, I do this or I avoid that. 
that the good is to do this or the good is to avoid doing something. Uh, and we saw the process might, yeah. Okay, but yeah, I know that the news I see with me. Yeah, I'm right next to uh, uh, I guess Christian. Are you okay there? Are we, uh, uh they're, they're having a side conversation, Monsignor. Was that? That's someone having a side conversation. Okay, yeah. No problem. Uh, you know, the, 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 certain, the, the steps that were taken in terms of, you know, what, what we call data gathering, then, then uh, it, it, pairing it down from there, what are the alternatives, uh, you know, uh, finally making the judgment and executing the judgment. Uh, and we said in the classical way of understanding uh the moral act, there are three parts, you might say, three uh, uh, the, the properties. There's the, the object, meaning something that is really, that which is really being done, the circumstances, and the intention. Okay, so usually I think the example of a, uh, you know, a, a uh, you know, very from everyday life, you know, drinking a cup of coffee. Okay, that's what's being done. <clears throat> the circumstances are it's in the morning. You know, and the intention is uh, to take nourishment at the beginning of my day. So we call the act having breakfast. Okay, so and having breakfast is a morally good thing because both the object the uh circumstances and the intention are good now change things a bit you know or, or, or put it in a different context you know the uh uh the, the act of, of, of uh, sexual intercourse okay uh that's the object that's what's being done Okay, the circumstances are a loving, uh, committed marriage between a man and a woman, uh, open to new life, <laughs> uh, and the intention is to have that physical experience uh, ratify the spiritual experience of the commitment that they made on the day they exchanged vows. So we would say that moral act is the conjugal act. The, 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 the physical expression of the love of husband and wife. Okay, now the same object, if it is carried out with uh, uh, somebody who's other than a person's spouse, uh, uh, is the circumstances change the moral quality of the act or and or if my intention is simply to seek pleasure from some other human being use them as a means for an end uh, then my intention is renders the act morally evil adultery fornication whatever 
where it might be. So you see how, you know, kind of it works together, how all three uh, of these need to be good for uh, an act to be good, to be uh, morally good. Uh, and again, we also saw that, you know, the, 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 in terms of moral imputability, the importance of free will and the importance of uh, intellect, <laughs> uh, the ability to, to evaluate, to deliberate, uh, and the ability to act freely without any kind of uh, coercion. So, again, if somebody is holding a gun to our head, literally, to do some evil thing, like rob a bank or, or you know, do whatever, then we are, uh, our, our, our culpability is either reduced, if not eliminated, because there was no possibility of exercising free will. Uh, I would say, for the sake of, of completion, and then again, it's the... the the authors speak of it <coughs> to to add two other uh, things that uh, in, in in evaluating the uh, uh, moral act, um, and they would be uh, and we, we look at it in 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 this context, and I think maybe a little bit also in in, in the context of virtue and sin, the the principle of double effect. And the principle of cooperation. Are those terms in any way familiar to, to folks? The principle of double effect? No. Okay. That's sure. The principle of double effect is uh, a practical way of dealing with situations that have pretty much simultaneously both good and bad ends good and bad results sorry uh and and how can they be done so what, what are we talking about what is the morality of a heroic soldier diving on a uh, grenade or an improvised explosive device to save his or her comrades what is the uh, evaluation of the surgery for uh, an ectopic present pregnancy or uh, a cancerous uterus? Okay, why are they an issue? Because they have simultaneous good and bad effects. The soldier diving on the uh, explosive device most likely is going to die or at least be severely injured. The good effect is his or her, uh, you know, comrades, especially, you know, if, if, if they are responsible for them, uh, are saved. Uh, the situation with regards to the woman with the medical issue is that her life or at least her health, uh, uh, her, her possibility of recovery is either safeguarded or, uh, you know, or, or actually insured. Uh, and the evil effect simultaneous with it all is the 
the death of the fetus. So how do we look at those things? And the principle of double effect sets up a couple of parameters or asks a couple of questions. The first question is, is the action, is the good, is the action in question either good or neutral? Okay, the action of diving on the explosive, the, the action of performing surgery. Uh, you, can, you can say that uh, the, they are uh, looked at in the, you know, in the, objectively like that, they are at least neutral uh, or something like the surgery good. Uh, because of the of the you know of, of the therapeutic possibility, okay. So then, are we dealing with an action that is either good or neutral in itself? The second question we want to ask is: Does the evil effect cause cause the good effect? And this is where it gets you have to be kind of very analytical here, okay. What, the, 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 let's take the, the what, 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 in the case of the cancerous uterus or something like that, what saves the patient's life is not the termination of the fetal life. One could theoretically perform an abortion without ever touching the tumor. So we're not saying that it is a, quote, therapeutic abortion, which is like a contradiction in terms. Uh, what we're saying is the, the is this the, the the act of removing the uh, the tumor is that which offers the out, good outcome for the patient. The death of the fetus is the unintended but unavoidable simultaneous effect again unintended okay uh, the same way the soldier diving on the thing is not trying to commit suicide you know if, if, if in, in that split second the soldier said is a way for me to get out of this mess and pick up a medal of honor to make my mother proud uh, so let me dive on this thing. No, that's suicide. But no, it is uh, the, the 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 intention is is is, is good, uh, and we see that it, the 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 causality, the evil effect, is simultaneous, but it is uh, not causative of the good effect. And the, finally, the last question you want to ask. Is there a proportion between the evil to be endured, you might say, and the good to be achieved? Okay, uh, so I think in those two cases you would see that there, the, 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 uh, that there is a proportion when we're talking about saving uh, life. You know, again, we're not talking about somebody committing suicide to save the life of another we're not talking about somebody having an abortion to save their life uh, but we're talking about again that simultaneous uh, 
unintended, uh, you know, evil effect that that comes at the same time, basically, on the heels of the good effect. So again, that is a you know, it's not 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 exclusive to the church, but in moral thinking, it is one way in which we can analyze uh, uh, very thorny kind of actions or difficult actions uh, that that because we know from our experience that black and white is a very rare thing uh, and uh, uh, there, there are many times when you have these uh, these situations and in the moral tradition of the church that employs this it can sound like and I don't blame you if it sounds a little bit like hair splitting uh, but when you look at it, it is helping to us to reveal to ourselves how we think, how we act, to understand what we're doing, and open up a path for uh, for action. So does that make any sense? Sound okay? Yes. Another principle is kind of somewhat connected with it, and that is the principle of cooperation. I think we might have, in response to uh, questions over the over the semester, uh, raised it. I, I could be wrong, but uh, uh, the the the, uh, the principle of cooperation helps us to uh, to deal with a messy world uh, that we live in. In this sense, that uh, how, given the complexity of the world, uh, we can find ourselves being involved with all kinds of immoral activity. Uh, you know, uh, many times uh, without our knowledge. <laughs> Uh, even without, against our, our will. What do I mean? Okay, uh, you, uh, you know, you, you want to take your kids uh, or your grandchildren to, uh, you know, a movie. And it's, you know, uh, a, a kind of a harmless, uh, uh, you know, uh, animated movie. You know, a, 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 you know, a, a totally non-controversial thing. But let's say, uh, you know, uh, Disney produced it. What you don't realize or may not realize uh, is uh, the, uh, you know, Disney it might have a million subsidiaries, uh, some of them uh, running, you know, triple X theaters in, you know, some city, you know, in Cucamonga, you know, uh, Illinois. Uh, and the money that you plunk down to take your grandchild to the movie is, some of it at least, is going to help support that aspect of the, the, of the corporation's activity. Or you go, you know, on a hot day, let me go get a Coke or, or, or something like that. And you realize that, you know, Coca-Cola might be uh, having, or some corporation, I don't mean to badmouth these corporations, but some, you get the idea that some 
a big corporation might be uh, having a, you know a, a bottling plant in uh, Kenya where people are paid like you know almost nothing, uh, and in, in a certain sense, buying the coke supports that. Uh, so, you know, as my former bishop, God rest him, Bishop Tom Daly, said to me once, he said, Father Michael, he said, uh, you know, without uh, uh, material cooperation, we're going to be, uh, we'd be out of business. But he also said, to avoid cooperation with evil, we have to live buck naked in a tree eating roots and berries. Because it's just almost impossible to avoid some kind of interaction with things that we find uh, objectionable. Uh, Again, I mean, it's also this time of the year with taxes. People say, I don't want my taxes or part of my taxes to go to A, B, C, or D for whatever reason. it's a similar kind of thing. They would feel a certain sense of moral responsibility supporting something. I'm not, not defending that, but that's the line of thought. So the principle of cooperation uh, is basically saying, how deeply are we into it? Uh, uh, it can range can, from what I talked about, remote material cooperation. Disney and Coca-Cola are going to do what they do, whether we go to the movie, whether we buy the Coke. And our not doing it is not going to stop, you know, stop them. Our doing it is not going to, you know, enable them to do something they couldn't do without us. It's very different, though, when we get to situations that are what we call more proximate, uh, where... We not only are involved with immoral activity, but we share the intention of those doing the immoral activity. <clears throat> okay, and I mean, this is where you can say it's one thing for a, uh, a nurse to be assigned to take to prep uh, patients for surgery. Uh, one comes after the other. Uh, you don't necessarily know what the person is, the procedure is going to be, uh, as opposed to applying for a job in a euthanasia clinic <laughs> or applying for a job in an abortion clinic. And that's a little different because I'm, 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 I, I, that's much closer to sharing the intention. Or in plain English, we would say in legal language, an accomplice. So we have two forms of cooperation, what we call material cooperation. Again, what is material cooperation? You say to me, when this is all over with, we all get back together one of these days, and you say, hey, you know, could you drive me? My car is in the uh, the, 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 the the lot at uh, Empire Casino. Could you drive me down there, uh, and uh, I'll pick up my car? And I say, well, why not? Now, I let you off at the front door or at the parking lot. What you're really going to do is go in there and you know rob the place at gunpoint. 
Okay, did I enable you? Did I assist you? Absolutely. Am I an accomplice in either a moral or a legal sense? No, because not only did I not know what you were doing, but I certainly didn't share your intention. Material cooperation. Uh, formal cooperation is, uh, I'm gonna knock over the casino, will you give me a ride down there and then take me to the airport? That's a very different thing. Because I am not only physically enabling the act, but I'm really sharing in the intention. Okay. So again, material cooperation, we, we do the best that we can. Another example, maybe a little bit more with gravitas, is the, the difficulties that people have, understandably so, in, in one, one level, with regards to vaccinations. Remember having a long uh, series of conversations with a family, young family, uh, about uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, the woman, particularly the mom, who I've known since she was a teenager, said, you know, I, I am not going to, the, 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 these vaccines come from, uh, you know, a, a, a part of it from aborted uh, tissue. Uh, now, what the church basically says is the public health issue with regards to children and other children would be that one could, uh, you know, have the vaccines administered but in a real sense to do so under protest and to make it known to the pharmaceutical company your objections uh, and uh, encourage them in some sense to uh, find other ways of, uh, of, of, of developing the vaccine. Uh, so again, that would be uh, a, a, uh, you know, a, a more gravitas example, weighty example of uh, the issue of material cooperation, where somebody certainly does not uh, share the intention, but for a variety of reasons would be constrained to, uh, to do so. So people should, could be at peace, you know, in that situation, as long as they are not. Uh, again, it, it gets a little bit more dicey, but again, for instance, with regards to voting, okay, you know, uh, I think the only thing we can say for certain is that if somebody votes for a so-called pro-choice candidate precisely because they're pro-choice, that's putting them in a different situation than being, look, this, I got to vote for somebody and, no, and nobody's pro-life to, to, our, to our taste. Now, always the option not to vote, always the option to find another candidate. I mean, nobody is, you know, nobody has to vote for anybody. But one thing we can say for sure is if I'm voting for a candidate precisely because he or she is pro-choice or precisely because he or she, you know, is, you know, uh, supports, uh, you know, child pornography or something, whatever it is. Uh, then that's that that's formal cooperation. Again, it's the all important. Where is my and what is my intention? So again, the principle of double effect, principle of cooperation, 
uh, are ways in which we deal with issues that are not, uh, as many or most are, not, you know, crystal clear, uh, but, but involve uh, us in a, in a world which we, plain English, know we need a savior. Uh, uh, that because it is, uh, it, it's very hard to avoid uh, some, some kind of complicity with, uh, with evil. Uh, you know, and, and try to, to minimize that and try to certainly, uh, you know, uh, make sure our own intentions are, uh, are pure. Any questions or comments about that? Okay. Everybody still awake? Yeah, if you could, is there a way in a sentence you could distinguish between the material and the formal cooperation? Sure. The material, I mean, there are more distinctions than that. Uh, but the, the basic one is material cooperation is uh, basically uh, assisting or helping to enable uh, an evil action without sharing the intent, the evil intention. And formal cooperation would be uh, it, it, it coming close to be what we would form, what we would le in legal language call uh, an accomplice. Uh, somebody who, who shares the, who shares the attention and enables the action. There's other ways of, of doing it. If you look at it, is it how, you know, not as only is it material and formal, but is it remote or proximate? You know, uh, and, and, and the more proximate it gets, the more morally dangerous it gets. But as I said, the, the example of remote material cooperation is, you know, innocently buying the, the, the soft drink, you know, uh, without any uh, intention or any knowledge that the company is also going to use some of its profits to keep the sweatshop going on the other side of the world. Uh, but whereas, you know, formal cooperation would be, I, whatever the issue at hand is, I, I, I share the intention of, uh, you know, of, of what, what I'm doing. Thank you. No problem. Yeah. Okay. What I'd like to get us into now, be a little bit before we, you know, the, the, the begin this part of it, is to uh, speak about uh, some thoughts about the formation of conscience. And the formation of conscience is, uh, you know, look at uh, it's a term that we've heard. Uh, but it goes it goes along with what we what we said that that uh, conscience is probably a lot maybe deeper than we thought. Again, we we uh, we began our treatment of it by speaking of you know several things that conscience is not, uh, and uh, then we we went positive by saying along with. John Paul II, Veritatis Splendor, that conscience is related 
both to freedom and to truth so that our conscience is an, a, a, it enables us to uh, help discern what is the truth and we are most free not when we do what we want or not when we concoct something that we think is right but we are most free when we are free to do that which that which we know is true uh, because again that orient that's, that's that that fits in with that orientation that we have to the good that fits into that uh, journey that we're taking to the kingdom of heaven so we uh, are, are, are most ourselves you might say we're most human when we uh, freely choose that which uh, enhances our relationship with God and with others uh, and that which uh, leads us to uh, the happiness uh, that we, this according to St. Thomas, that we were created for, the vision of God. And we feel that many times. I mean, the, the, the peace, uh, we call it peace of mind, call it the peace of Christ, you know, the, the, the peace that we feel when after maybe even a very tumultuous, you know, wrestling match, uh, we uh, said, I did the right thing. I'm going to sleep well tonight. And conversely, when we examine our conscience and we are bothered by something, you know, that lack of peace is the awareness that we have acted against the grain. We've acted against our own interests by going, you might say, deeper into ourselves when we're built to go out of ourselves in love. So, uh, in that sense, we, we also, the formation of conscience is something that uh, I think we, it's in an active sense, and you might say, uh, uh, a, a, uh, a, I'd use the word ministerial sense, for lack of a better term. Uh, that that a that we are constantly uh, having our consciences formed for good or for ill. Uh, there's a lot of noise in the world, a lot of things going on, uh, a lot of things that are appealing to us. You know, that that are a lot of people and 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 situations are appealing for us to get on board with them. Uh, so many people saying, look at it my way, look at it this way, look at it that way. There's a lot of stuff coming at us. Uh, but how do we truly form our conscience? And I think we also would say that as, as followers of Jesus, our part of our job, <laughs> you might say, part of the, the, the universal mission of the church each in the different ways in which it is lived out, is for us to form the conscience of our of our time and place, our culture. You know, we witness to the faith uh, in a way that hopefully will and somehow touch the lives of others. That will somehow enable others to 
uh, have a, uh, a a real sense of uh, the uh, uh, you know of of of, of, of the truth, <laughs> uh, a real sense of of uh, what is truly good for people. And again, that's a problem there because many times we, we especially in our context, we, we privatize everything. Uh, you know, uh, that, that, that we, we were, I mean, they say don't bring religion up and, and, and at the dinner table or don't bring this, that, or, or politics up or something like that. And they're saying, no, we have real values that are meant to be good for us and for others. Uh, and, you know, if we live them out, we're having, we're making an impact. I think looking at you know some of the the you know the, if, if 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 there's a blessing you know hard to even use that language but if there's a blessing uh with regards to this the coronavirus uh crisis to see some basic human goodness coming out in very heroic ways uh you know uh you you're seeing you know doctors and uh, nurses and other providers, first responders, literally putting their lives on the line as if they were soldiers in combat, uh, which is sending a very different picture uh, out of what it means to be a doctor. Uh, you know, the, the, this is my key to the country club and uh, to, you know, prestige. Uh, so it'd be very interesting how many people, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like vocations, vocation stories. How many people are going to be motivated to that life of service uh, when this is all over with? They're saying, I want to be as heroic as these people or as the cops, as the, the, the EMTs, the, the, the firemen, the teachers who got to, you know, uh, and so many other people, but don't think that they're just those how they're really flying by the seat of their pants uh, to do something that nobody was ever trained to do uh, and are doing it, you know, in many cases brilliantly. Uh, so, yeah, so they get the idea what I'm, what I'm talking about here is that we, we do uh, uh, have to, you know, make sure our own consciences are well formed. Uh, and we need to uh, realize that we are constantly having an effect or should be having a, an effect uh, on, on others, a positive effect, without proselytizing. I mean, the, 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 um, I don't know if, 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 you know if you've been in touch with your own parishes. Uh, uh, the, my, I was talking to a classmate in... in uh, uh, parish of St. Francis Sales in Bell Harbor. You know, they're, 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 the two priests there are a little bit, they're probably certifiably crazy, but they're, they're wonderful guys. One of them is my classmate. Uh, they get they got 4,000 hits for the Stations of the Cross. Now, they would get a normal Friday in Lent. You know, you're not going to get 4,000 people showing up for Stations of the Cross. Uh, but people have come back. Some people have come back to their to the church uh, precisely because the church was closed. <laughs> uh, but their parishes reached out to them in creative ways. 
and touch them at a moment when they needed the healing touch of Jesus. So I got without, you know, going overboard there, but I think we see the idea, you know, what we mean. So uh, Bohr and others speak of uh, a couple of points to keep in mind with regards to the formation of conscience. Uh, how we are, uh, it's not simply, you know, processing information and not simply reading encyclicals or directives from the, the pastor or the, the bishop. Uh, it's not only formal moral teaching, though that's very much a part of it, and we'll see that. But the first thing you might say is to look at it uh, in the context of a Christian worldview or what sometimes would be called uh, a Christian or a Catholic culture. Now, it depends on how old we are. Uh, what, uh, you know, if you're of a certain age, and you have to be really even older, a little bit older than I am, I got the very tail end of it. Uh, but you have to be, you know, maybe uh, uh, 10 years older than I am, you know, having, you know, grown up, if you grew up like in the 50s, uh, we're in grammar school in the 50s, uh, you would probably, especially in a big city, you know, you'd know what I mean. That even Jewish cab drivers identified neighborhoods by their parish, at least in New York City. And I know that from people telling me, they'd give a cab driver an address, oh, that's near St. Rose. Or that's in Sacred Heart. Uh, and, uh, you know, 80% of people went to Mass on Sunday. Uh, devotions. The famous uh, Little Flower Devotions in, uh, you know, uh, St. Peter Claver Parish in Brooklyn, uh, where they, 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 they had 10,000 people. They had, they had to add trains and change bus lines just for people to go to Novena. Okay. So you get the idea that we live in a different situation. Uh, and that sometimes is not, uh, uh, it's not easy. <laughs> because we don't have, we don't have the cultural support. Now again, there was a lot of stuff that, you know, probably shouldn't have happened, as we know. Uh, uh, but, but still, where Catholic Christians uh, at a time when, uh, the, the, uh, we have to, in many ways, reconstruct a Catholic culture. Uh, and the best of, the, of a Catholic culture. So what, what Bohr mentions is uh, the idea, the use of imagination. Uh, that he said, we, 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 not, we don't deal simply with, just with factual knowledge, but with evaluative knowledge. And again, if we just look to the Jesuits, uh, who... Uh, teach us a great deal in their their tradition about the uh, the use of imagination with regards to uh, the spiritual life. Uh, that, for instance, you know the the, the the what they call the composition of place. Uh, so, for instance, doing a meditation tomorrow night uh, uh, at the uh, you know after the Lord's Supper, the Mass of the Lord's Supper. The meditation would be, be at that supper, be at the table. 
you know, and not analyze scripture, you know, uh, like it was an exegesis class, but what do you imagine the conversation is like? Or a spiritual director once said to me, when he washes your feet, how cold or hot is the water? You know, I have a drink with Peter before this begins. You say, this is crazy. But no, it is within that use of our imagination, putting ourselves in the situation, it becomes a vehicle for, for grace and for meditation. That is less, it's not just intellectual. We don't get an idea of Jesus, or Jesus doesn't remain an idea, but we're dealing with what he is, a living person. Uh, so again, the use of our imagination, I, again, to, to what's going on now in parishes uh, as they try to connect with people, uh, some funny stuff, some moving stuff, but a way people are thinking up things, how do we reach out to people who are cooped up and very frightened because there's no distractions. Even the Mets would look good at this point. Uh, the, uh, and every news station uh, is, uh, you know, is more, uh, you know, uh, doomsday than the next. Uh, so uh, even psychologists are saying you've got to limit your media uh, intake. Uh, so, you know, so there's a couple of weeks, some parishes are having, not only the, uh, you know, the, the daily rosary stations, daily mass, they're not going to, but also things like, you know, phone in, you know, uh, uh, question and answer. Uh, the, the teachers of the school all recorded uh, a, a, a message individually, and then they sang a song for their kids. And you get the idea of the use of imagination. That's having an impact. Uh, I remember after uh, Hurricane Sandy, uh, when uh, in Rockaway, when, when everybody was displaced, uh, the, the, you know, talking with parents saying, this is a game changer for the kids. Because they, they, had, they went from you know, being on top of the world to having literally nothing. Uh, and then having to rebuild that. He said, the possibility there for compassion as they go grow into adulthood, the, 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 uh, the, 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 uh, the possibility there for them to think uh, about others. Uh, you know, for them, for the rest of us, for most of us, what happened at Sandy, you know, stuff like that happened in Louisiana. Stuff like that happened in Joplin, Missouri when a Tornado came through. It didn't happen on Flatbush Avenue, but it did. <laughs> uh, and again, just the way people responded to that. Uh, so again, we begin to see uh, that as our, our as we try to form our our conscience, try to form our lives according to a Christian worldview, we are saying. Our, our faith, our discipleship is a way of life. Okay, I'm not anymore a teacher. Uh, I, I, I'm not anymore, you know, a, a teacher or a cop or a doctor or a plumber or a, you know, center fielder who happens to be Catholic. 
I'm a Catholic who happens to be a cop or a fireman or a doctor or whatever. Uh, and it's a, uh, you know, that idea of, uh, of, of a way of life and moving beyond what we call uh, uh, an idea of, of, of com- compartmentalizing things. And it helps us to realize that, you know, I, I'm no expert on, 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 on this, but many times we try to think of things, uh, education or whatever, in a value-free uh, environment. But I don't know if that's humanly possible. Uh, you know, again, it, 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 it is a, might be based on a construct that is, uh, uh, you know, that, that's not real. Uh, again, I mean, it's one thing to say we have to respect everybody. It's one thing to say that there are different ways of looking at things or different ways of experiencing things, some good, some bad. Uh, but to say that we can talk about anything in a value-free environment, uh, I'm not sure. I don't know enough. I'll yield to people who know psychology, psychiatry, but it just doesn't seem to me to be, uh, you know, possible or realistic. So far, so good. Yes. yes. Yeah. Somebody got a question? Yes, Father. Yeah. Uh, one of our young sister uh, doesn't have a mic, and she asked me to ask you. Sure. What would be the sin? of a man that while knowing that they're gay will still go ahead and marry a woman what would be the sin in, in there a so let me say a gay man marrying a uh a woman well not, as you just on the surface there i'm not sure i'm not sure where where, where i'm not sure where the sin would be uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess you have to specify it with regards to his or her. I mean, a gay man you're talking about uh, uh, in, in, intention or something like that. Again, I don't know why they would do that. You know, unless it was, uh, you know, uh, to create some kind of a of a of, of an illusion or something. I mean. It, it, you read about people in politics or in entertainment, you know, at a different time, marrying just for show in that sense, because they wouldn't want to be stigmatized as being gay. Uh, but again, you have to look at, you know, what, 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 what the properties of the marriage is. Okay. What, what are they really intending? It's saying if the goal is to have a family while well, they know that they're gay, but they still want to have a family and they go ahead and, and, and marry a woman. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the idea, but again, there we're talking about is the person intending to really have a community, to use the church's term, a, a, a community of life and love with the woman, or is he interested in using her to, to, to have a, a child uh, that he would be the father of? I mean, two very different things. I mean, so so yeah, I mean, if you specify it, I'm going to marry this woman just so that I could have a child. Uh, but there's no real love there. I have no, you know, interest in really establishing 
a real family beyond the, you know, the, the, the demographic aspect of it, that would be you're dealing with something there. There could be there's obviously a moral, a, a moral wrong because you, you, he would in effect be using his wife as a means to an end rather than treating her as an end in herself. Thank you. No problem. Yeah. The the other uh, uh, point that I think we can talk about uh, is the role of the church. Uh, and again, this is where, depending on, you know, the time and the place, this can be sometimes a little bit uh, a, a, a problematic for some people who, again, want to go their own way, you might say, or disagree, dissent from the church, from certain teachings of the church. And again, what is... We're looking at what is the issue of uh, dissent, but look at it positively before I look at anything else. That that the church again is uh, in the scheme of of, of of the plan of salvation. The church uh, is uh, the continuation of the presence of Jesus in time and place uh, in this world until he comes again. So the church is, like Jesus, a divine and human institution. It is constituted, we believe our Pentecost is the day we, you know, in our, our, our devotion, we'd call it the, the birthday of the church. It is, again, we could say that the church is born of the Paschal mystery, the death, resurrection, ascension, and Pentecost, you know, is what makes the church. Uh, but the, the, uh, so the, the, the church again is composed of sinners. We become very acutely aware of that over the last 20 years or so, as we always knew it, but it's in our face now, uh, uh, on many different levels. Uh, but at the same time, this is the one Holy Catholic Apostolic Church that was founded by Jesus and animated by the spirit. Uh, and it is as building off the patristic uh, literature, especially St. Cyprian, Vatican II says the church is the sacrament of salvation. That, 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 that what do sacraments do? Sacraments make present the, the grace they signify. So the, the church makes present the grace of Jesus, most specific, specifically in those sacramental moments but obviously also in the proclamation of the word of God and the living out of the mission uh, in, in, in all of its aspects. So again, that's why the church is the, the people of God. We're the subject of faith, but we're also the object of faith. What do we say in the creed every Sunday? I Well, in Latin, it, it's credo ecclesia. I believe the church. We don't believe in the church the same way we believe in God. It's a little, it's a different construction in Latin for the if you're interested. Credo in unum deum. Credo in is a more formal, solemn statement of faith as opposed to credo ecclesia. I believe the church. But the church is still an object of faith. 
And uh, so what we, we, we have to look at, in particular, the church's teaching office. Again, the charism of the College of Bishops in union with the Roman Pontiff uh, in their teaching function of what we call the magisterium, from magister, the Latin word for teacher. <clears throat> Years back in Huntington, I had a person ask me, what's the address of the magisterium? Like it was the post office box in Rome. I said, no, <laughs> it's not an office. It's all the bishops of the world in union with the, the, the Pope when they teach, and they teach on different levels of authority. So again, when you study ecclesiology, if you haven't already done so, you go into those different levels of authority. But suffice it to say that the church can teach uh, on moral issues, even if the teaching is not definitive, even if the teaching is not uh, open to revision. What are examples of things that are open to revision? Well, we'll go back to Pius XII. Pius XII in the 50s, uh, when medical science advanced a bit, Pius XII said that organ transplants, uh, all things being equal, risks and everything else, uh, organ transplants can be an act of heroic charity, uh, a sign of the solidarity of the, 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 the body of Christ, the, the communion of the church. Uh, whereas in the past, to take one kidney out or one whatever out and give it to somebody else would have been considered a mutilation. God gave us two kidneys for a reason. God gave us, you know, three eyeballs for a reason. Uh, had you go in there, didn't I? No, uh, no. Uh, but uh, that's an example of a of, of, of a uh, of a reform of church teaching. Let's say with regards to religious freedom. Think of dignitatis humanae. We got to look at that. Uh, the the, uh, the Vatican II, the primacy of of, of, of conscience and the search for religious truth. Okay, uh, that, uh, that that's a very different stand than you know the medieval time where there was no outs, no no salvation outside the church. So what we do is understand that things change, things grow. Our understanding of revelation, our understanding of the human person develops, uh, but that does not take away the authority of the church to teach when the bishops. Uh, in union with the Holy Father or bishops in their own diocese on certain issues say, I've done the best I could. This is the way we see it. So let me read something from Vatican II uh, from Lumen Gentium 25. <clears throat> Lumen Gentium 25 will say, loyal submission of the will and intellect must be given in a special way to the authentic teaching authority of the Roman pontiff, even when he does not speak ex, ex cathedra in such wise, indeed that his supreme teaching authority be acknowledged with respect 
and that one sincerely adhered to decisions made by him conformably with his manifest mind and intention, <clears throat> which is made known principally either by the character of the document in question or by the frequency with which certain doctrine is proposed or by the manner in which the doctrine is formulated. Again, that's very technical language. You might want to read it yourself. It's on page 187 in Bohr, but it's to read the, the whole document in Lumen Gentium to get a better sense of it. Uh, but it, what they're talking about is uh, obsequium religioso, religious loyal submission of the will. Uh, again, giving the, the, the magisterium the presumption of truth uh, due to the fact that the special charism of the office of bishop and the college of the bishops. Bishops are, are, are supposed to be conservative, in, in, in quotes, because it's their role to safeguard the deposit of faith. Uh, so it's, again, it, it, it means they're, they're before, there are many creative bishops, many wonderful theologian bishops, but the body of bishops their first mission is to preserve and, and promote the deposit of faith. Deposit of faith, scripture, and tradition. So again, what we're talking about here is a lot of things where you're not going to have the ability to have, you might say, a uh, an infallible statement because it's not grounded enough in scripture or tradition. Uh, you know, uh, but but you do that. You, you look at the situation and say, as we see it this time and place, this is the judgment we make. Uh, you know, uh, and many times uh, very particular issues. You know, like reproductive technology, uh, like the death penalty, things like that. You know are in a certain sense grounded in scripture, but at the same time, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the magisterium reflects on it and says, you know, we believe that we can make this judgment at this time. Uh, and the practical reality is that, is that A, whether we're teaching, whether we're involved in ministry, whether we're catechizing our own kids, uh, we need to know in a certain sense what the church teaches. And it's not always easy, I mean, to read, you know, a lot of encyclicals or documents or things like that. So we need to, to get some guidance. But we need, you know, as good professionals, you might say, we need to, it's like, like a doctor reading a medical journal or a lawyer reading, you know, a continuing legal education or something like that, that you got to know where things are, that you can't, like, get ordained and then, in a certain sense, if I'm responsible for pastoral care of souls, it's not that I can say I can. I don't have to read a book again as long as I live. Uh, so to keep informed, uh, and to know at what level the teaches, church is teaching, and to recognize that our people have a right to what the church teaches. Uh, so if I have a different opinion on whatever. Uh, I, I can't go into my religious ed class. I can't go into my high school class and, and, and act as if the church's teaching isn't there. 
there would be a, a an assault on the conscience of people who have a right to have their consciences formed uh, with proper attention to the teaching of the church. So again, how many times, you know, I, I had some of the most painful situations I've had to deal with are people who, uh, you know, tremendously heartbroken when they find out after the fact, usually, that they had a, you know, a child with, you know, in vitro, that the church has difficulties with, with most of that, that they said, Father, I thought we were doing a good thing to have a child. Nobody ever told me this. And I went to 12 years of Catholic education. I'm not trying to get on a soapbox here. What I'm just saying is that we have to realize that it's a matter of, 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 of right. Canon law, I'm going to get, pull out canon law. Canon law guarantees the right of the faithful to a Christian formation uh, from cradle to grave. Uh, so again, not, not to, to overplay the hand, but to see the importance of, of centuri cum ecclesia, to think with the church, uh, to be humble, not to be arrogant about it, and not to be judgmental of others, but to simply say, we're looking at what we what is what is best for the people of God at this point. Uh, and again, people can again can, can dissent. Uh, in their own, I mean, people in their own conscience can say, well, you know, I, I, I really have a hard time with this. Uh, uh, and that, that they could still be in good faith, as we said, if they were docile, if they were humble, if they prayed, if they did the best they could to give the church the benefit of the doubt and to understand it, but still couldn't, they might be, you know, no, nobody's calling them sinful or anything like that. What we're saying is that in a public forum, they just have to be sure that they make their opinion is a little bit is, is, is separate enough from uh, the uh, the official teaching, if there is one. Now that doesn't mean, on a more informal level, say you know let's go have a beer or let's you know sit around and and talk about this where there can be a free exchange of ideas in that sense, but exactly to just to respect. The form, the the, the the ministerial or the, the or the the public roles, you might say, that we might have in the church and in the parish, something like that. That sound okay? You might want to percolate that. We'll take about fifteen minutes and we'll come back. Okay. I'll see if this came. Yeah. Yes. 
Sure. Right, any, any other questions uh, or comments on that uh, formation of conscience thus far? I just like to add maybe two other uh, dimensions or two or three uh, to the uh, ongoing formation of conscience. Again, as the idea is to reiterate that it is a uh, a lifelong process. Uh, it's a lifelong, uh, you know, journey of faith. Uh, that that is a, a lifelong set of experiences that are uh, impacting us. Uh, but we'd also, in addition to understanding and appreciating the role of the church and the teaching office of the church. Uh, the role of prayer and spiritual direction. Uh, obviously, uh, for us, uh, moral judgments, moral life uh, is not simply uh, an exercise of the intellect. I mean, that is a noble thing. Uh, the uh, idea of, uh, of ethics, philosophical ethics. How do we determine the good and the right uh, using the light of human reason alone. In fact, if you've ever studied philosophy, you would no doubt have encountered this. Uh, but we also uh, embrace uh, revelation. We also embrace the, uh, uh, the revelation as it comes to us in the scriptures, in uh, the life of the church. Uh, and therefore, again, we are involved in a, as we saw in terms of life in Christ, we're involved with a real or should be uh, ever striving to be involved in a real active relationship with a real person. Again, so easy for us to, again, keep it on the level of ideas. It's, it, it, it's you know, almost comes natural to us. But again, to realize that we're, 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 we are uh, involved in this living relationship that we have to nourish uh, by prayer, the same way we'd nourish any level by communication with the, uh, the other thing. You are the center of my life. You're the love of my life. I don't ever want to speak to you again. No, ridiculous. Uh, no, it's constant sharing of, of, of life. And there's that uh, prayer. Again, then if you study spiritual theology, maybe have a chance to take that class with Father Don Guglielmi, the different styles of prayer, different uh, forms of prayer, different levels of prayer, different spiritual traditions, uh, the Carmelites, the Franciscan, the Jesuit, the Benedict, and so forth and so on. It's a rich gold mine, uh, uh, but but it, 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 it's it, it, it's there for us, and uh, it, it aids in the in, in the in the formation of our conscience and in the making of judgments, uh, and spiritual direction for those who are uh, uh, who experience that again. It's not simply a clerical preserve, but people from all walks of life benefit from. Uh, spiritual direction. Uh, 
which is right away the spiritual direction. Basically, uh, it is, you know, where is God in my life at this point? What does God want me to do? Uh, how do I respond to God's presence? What, what, what are the stirrings in my soul uh, of his presence? How do I, you know, uh, uh, in, in, in certain moments, how do I discern what is the course of action? What is the state of life? Again, discernment, many times we, we tend to maybe limit that to the discernment of a, of a, of a clerical or religious vocation. Uh, but I think it, it, it's true of all vocations. You know, you need discernment. Am I called to marriage? That's the first question before do I marry this person or that person? Is this what God wants me to do? Is this, is this going to make me happy? Is this going to make me holy? You know, and not, not simply everybody, my, everybody does it. <laughs> but it's, it, it, it's a sacred thing akin to... Uh, you know, no less than, than, than the religious vocation or a clerical vocation. Uh, so you know, we all benefit each in, 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 in our state of life uh, from spiritual direction. Uh, and for me, you might say, even, even it's not uh, spiritual direction formally, but you might say from, let's say, frequent confession, maybe with the same confessor, somebody who may get to know us and, 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 and can offer counsel or we can ask for counsel, uh, you know, and so forth and, you know, different, many different ways to, to experience that. And finally, the, the, uh, not, 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 this is not an exclusive list, but the last thing that we'll talk about might be the idea of, uh, the role of the saints. And there was, let's say, especially it's, it's the time of John Paul II, for lack of a better word, an explosion of saints. That uh, John Paul II beatified and canonized more people in his almost quarter century of pontificate than, have ever, than were in the whole history of the church before. Uh, and the idea is that the holiness is out there. Well, we got to go looking for it. You know, we got to go pray to people uh, for their intercession, uh, uh, who we believe might have lived a heroic life. Uh, so saints are not from long ago, far away, but saints are in our own homeland, uh, lived in our own lifetimes. I don't just mean, you know, uh, John Paul II and then and, and Mother Teresa, the big ones, but many, many other uh Saints think of Blessed Charlie from Puerto Rico, and and, and uh, the the uh, uh, Saint John of Beretta Mola, very heroic young woman uh, uh, in Italy. Uh, her husband was at her canonization, as were her children. Uh, you know, she was, a, if you remember, Saint John was the the the, the uh, woman who. Re refused to uh, jeopardize the life of her uh, unborn child by uh, uh, having cancer therapy or delaying it. Uh, and th that's not the only reason she was canonized. She was very uh, heroic and working in Catholic uh, uh, action in Italy, 
you know, uh, and very concerned about, you know, uh, her, her, you know, the poor and others. And many times people try to write her off as a country bumpkin. She was a, she was a surgeon. Uh, so she's uh, Saint Joanna Beretha Mola, MD. <laughs> uh, so uh, they're just you know many many examples. The saints, their intercessory role. Uh, you know not you know not just finding car keys you know, but on other issues as well, uh, and the uh, their. Uh, the witness of their lives, uh, and and the, from the many different walks of life, there, there there is there is. We can all have a saint, many saints that we can identify with. Uh, so they, the, the 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 communion of saints, those in the in triumph, you might say, use the, the classical language, uh, are uh, are you know literally role models for us, as well as intercessors, uh, and. Their experiences and their heroic virtue uh, inspires our own, uh, and that goes into uh, you know uh, just think of the martyrs of our own day, Oscar Romero, uh, the, the the people who may not yet be formally canonized, but you know think of the the the, 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 the religious women in El Salvador. Uh, again, these are you know. Uh, Martyrdom is considered miraculous. Saint uh, uh, Blessed Stanley Rother, a uh, priest from Oklahoma, uh, just beatified two years ago. Uh, uh, Solanus Casey. Uh, so again, you get the idea about how important the saints are, not just to our devotion, but to our moral life, uh, by providing us with, uh, you know, role models. Uh, and, and as well as their own intercession. So far, so good. Okay, what I'd like to to to, to do in, in in the remaining time is begin to uh, move into what will ultimately be our final uh, large section, and that would be on virtue, sin, and moral responsibility. Again, in other words, looking again at the at the the moral act, which we already kind of treated uh, under conscience. But uh, the importance of, uh, of, of, we, we, you know, of, of virtue, is, is, is virtue, you might say, is one way of looking at how uh, the, uh, how, how what, again, what conscience looks like uh, in, in day-to-day life. Uh, that, again, we are uh, attracted to the good, uh, and that invites our personal freedom to respond, uh, and we then, with an attitude of responsiveness to the good, uh, move into, you might say, our day-to-day life. Uh, and, and, and we, we then you might say, have two paths. Uh, you know, the path of virtue uh, and then the path of uh, sin, uh, which is sometimes in the biblical language, is, is sin is sometimes, the, the, what we call sin is in terms of the language of the scriptures, 
missing the mark, you know, or missing the goal. Uh, you know, again, it's a, you know, we might say a, uh, from a bow and arrow, you know, perspective or a shooting perspective, we, we're off target uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, responding properly towards uh, the good. So, and when we talk about uh, virtue, uh, again, it, it is, you might say, making specific that attraction to the good. And virtue, if you want to use a, uh, you know, a, a, an everyday example, you could say, with, at the risk of oversimplifying it, a virtue is uh, a good habit. Now, the Latin word is habitus. But what we really mean is a permanent capacity of the soul. Uh, uh, a, a, a permanent disposition. And what that disposition is, is determined by the value that would give it direction. Okay, so justice. Okay. The virtue of justice is a stable and permanent disposition to render each person what is due to them. Okay, uh, and whether that, that could be what is due to them in terms of human respect and recognition of their dignity, could be what is due to them in an economic sense, paying a just wage to somebody who works for you. Uh, it could be uh, respecting other their, the rights of their conscience or so forth and so on. Uh, but it is a, a stable and permanent disposition. The virtue of chastity. The virtue of chastity is uh, the stable disposition to use uh, our sexual capacities in an integrated way uh, to allow our uh, to, to, to allow our sexual capacities to truly be in the service of love whether that be the love of marriage or whether that be the love of the single life or whether that be the love of consecrated life uh, we all have to live a life of love and we're all, as we'll see, if we talk about this at the end, sexual beings, we're all male or female with all that that implies. We're, 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 our sexuality is shot through our entire being. So, again, we have to use our sexuality in the service of love. Uh, and that is the virtue of chastity. So marital chastity looks different than celibate chastity. Uh and celibate chastity might look different than the chastity of somebody who is single, but is open to the possibility of maybe getting married. In plain English, it means that the sexual act is only proper place is within marriage, man and woman. Uh, but sexuality is much more than just the biology. And you get the idea. The virtue of charity, again, which is an infused virtue, a theological virtue, it comes to us directly from God. But what is the virtue of charity? A, a stable disposition to
to do the good for the others, for others, to, to ultimately will and desire the good of another. So love, if, you know, love has, as the song says, love is a many splendored thing, but before it has to do with emotions, before it has to do with uh, anything else, it has the, it, 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 it is on its basic level, the, the, the choosing of the good for, uh, for another, or the willingness to assist each other in the way, on the, on the path to salvation. So again, the idea is that uh, we, it, it is through history, many times, uh, virtue has been, uh, you'll read about, you can read about it in Bohr too, but that, that, you know, many times it is a, uh, it is diminished uh, to simply like a psychological category. But no, we're talking about a real virtue. In Catholic social teaching, you hear the word solidarity. What is solidarity? Solidarity is not like an esprit de corps. Solidarity is a virtue. Solidarity is a stable disposition to work with each other in a community for the common good. And the common good is defined very loosely as the sum total of what's necessary for human flourishing. A little bit like nailing jello to a wall, but you can see what's there. But that, but so I'm in solidarity with you means more than I feel for you, pal. It means we are in, as we say about this virus, we're in this together, not simply uh, because we're all scared or we're all suffering, but we're in this together because we all have to work together to, for the good to eradicate it. Now, that means something different for Dr. Fauci than it does for, you know, uh, you or me, most of us. Uh, but that's what solid solidarity puts us. It's being in it together, but with teeth. <laughs> uh, so maybe uh, uh, there's a... Uh, 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 a definition uh, that uh, Bohr quotes on page 201 of this book by uh, a theologian named Harakas. I think it might be good for us to understand uh, uh, virtue. It says, virtue is the habitual uh, and uh, firm orientation of the will and of the whole character to act in specific and concrete ways which are appropriate to those who are in the process of growth in the image of God. Okay, that, 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 that is, you know, it is a, again, uh, the, the, a stable and permanent orientation of the will and of the whole character, the whole person, to act in specific and concrete ways that are appropriate for those who are growing in the image of God. Uh, that, 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 that is, so that, that's, again, it goes back to my everyday life, <laughs> you know, whether it, the way I drive a car to work, the way, the way, whatever it is, uh, is everything I'm doing, uh, you know, in, in a certain sense, pointing me in the direction of heaven. Okay. And, you know, and we, we, we really can't opt out <laughs> on, 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 on any level. 
so again, I thought that would be a, a very, very helpful kind of uh, uh, approach. Uh, the again, you can you can, you can read the, the the development of the term in scripture and in theology. Uh, again, scripture doesn't necessarily use this, the the word virtue. It, 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 it the, the the Greek word is arete. Uh, that it is. Uh, uh, it, it is. It, it is uh, in the new. It's. It's not a really a biblical term as much as it is in uh, uh, a philosophical term. But the idea is, uh, uh, it, it is a quality of a uh, of a truly good person. Okay, and so that uh, so that for instance, in in, in, in classical uh, philosophy, something like Aristotle, uh, a virtuous person is a person who stands. You know, uh, uh, it, 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 you might say in the middle, doesn't go to extremes, a balanced person. Okay, but then it gets, uh, you know, as, as the theological tradition develops, we begin to get the distinction between what we call the, uh, from the, the early church, uh, the infused virtues, sometimes called the theological virtues, faith, hope, and love, faith, hope, and charity. These are not, you know, in, in, in philosophical terms, these are theological terms, and they're called theological virtues because they establish, especially through the sacrament of baptism and the sacramental life of the church, uh, a direct bond with the Holy Spirit, a direct bond with the Lord and the Holy Spirit. The gift of faith, the gift of hope, the gift of love, faith. You know, as St. Paul says, three things remain, faith, hope, and charity, and the greatest of these is charity. Uh, again, this is uh, a, a, a bond. The, the, the living out those virtues uh, are, are the key ones that, uh, uh, you know, manifest our connection, literally, with the Lord Jesus. Well, we get in, 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 in patristic thought, you get the, uh, you might say the, what they call the cardinal virtues. The uh, cardinal in the sense of the word use of the term, the hinge virtues. That, you know, the, the, the door is open, the holiness is able to open and close uh, with the, the uh, the virtues of uh, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. And again, you can see even thinking about them, how they, uh, again, they're not infused by the Holy Spirit, but they are assisted by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and again, think of them, uh, they, they all, again, seek to bring us, you might say, to a balance Okay, what is prudence? Well, prudence is selecting appropriate means to achieve a good end. So, you know, uh, you, you got to deliver bad news to somebody. <laughs> uh, or you got to, uh, you know, exercise maybe some tough love <laughs> with, a, with, a, with, a, with a child or a a student or something like that, you're going to say, how do I, 
how do I do this? Uh, how do I do this in such a way that I build the person up, not demoralize the person? Uh, or let's say even in a medical context, you know, uh, your doctor and your patient isn't going to make it. You know, uh, uh, how do you uh, how do you communicate that? You go in the room and say, "Boy, you look lousy." Uh, or you know, you know, I wouldn't read. I I, I I wouldn't watch part one of that movie because you're probably not going to make it to part two. I mean, that's not the way to do it. That's imprudent. That's not choosing uh, good means for a good end. And the person who's dying has a right to know they're dying. Because dying is some of the most, maybe one of the most important things we do. We give back to God the gift he gave us. So if we have an ability to know what's coming and get ready for it, we need to do that. But again, prudence. Uh, the best means uh, for the end. Justice, already. Again, justice is giving every person their due. Fortitude, courage, uh, perseverance, uh, and temperance. Temperance on all levels. Temperance on not only, you know, booze, uh, but, but uh, temperance with regards to uh, any of our appetites. Again, these are not, you might say, directly infused by the Holy Spirit, but what have we been, let's say, working on during Lent? We've been working on, let's say, the sacrifice we made. Some We've grown, hopefully, in temperance. When, if I gave up chocolate, uh, come, you know, after the Easter vigil on Saturday, wherever you look at it, on TV or whatever, uh, that you don't, you know, you might have a, you know, a, a, something to celebrate our the Lord's resurrection, uh, but it's not that you're going to go swim laps in Hershey syrup. Uh, you know, you might say, hey, you know, I, I like chocolate now, but I don't need it as much. Uh, you know, that, that I, I, my sacrifice helped me to grow in, 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 in temperance. Uh, so I guess you, you get the idea of, uh, of where we're going with regards to uh, the uh the, 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 the use of, of, of virtues. Uh, the the uh, St. Thomas, uh, let's say, moving further on in history, building off St. Albert the Great, uh, who was his teacher, saw the action of grace interacting with the personality of people uh, in terms of the acquired virtues. So, for instance, there are things that in, in the spiritual life, for instance, uh, that you realize you might be good at. Uh, you might be good, for instance, in, uh, in praying for people. You might be good at, uh, uh, you, might, you might be a gifted catechist. You might be a gifted uh, teacher or preacher. Uh, you can say to second, this is, you might say, God's grace uh, interacting with your personality uh, in terms of of, uh, of, of, of of certain virtues. You have an ability, people, you're easy to talk to. 
something maybe as simple as that. You're a good listener. You're patient. Again, somebody else might be just the opposite, but have gifts uh, that are assisted by the Holy Spirit in other directions. Okay, so again, great divine grace, a uh, 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 a, uh, a, a a vital reality. It's it's, it's you know we we'd say the the the, the 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 life of God being imparted to us again. It's it's not a tangible term, you know. It's not quantifiable, but again, it's the action of divine life within our life. Uh, so you can see the virtues, uh, you know, being as examples of that. Uh, Bohr can would could give you all the details, but as you know, as Moral theology began to separate from uh, uh, spiritual spirituality. Uh, the the uh, virtues kind of took it on the chin in the sense that uh, it, instead of being this uh, experience of divine grace uh, interacting with with us, uh, they, they become you might say psychological. Uh, uh, operations, uh, you know, uh, rather than, you know, or, or good habits, you might say, in the, uh, in, 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 in a purely formal sense, not good, not, 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 not stable dispositions, uh, assisted by grace, but just good habits that we might work out for ourselves. Again, the, 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 but when the, 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 uh, uh, Renewal of moral theology came, and the uh, uh, especially the growing, you might say, Christocentrism of moral theology, looking to Jesus as the moral model. Uh, there came the desire uh, to develop the virtues of Jesus, to imitate the virtues of Jesus. So again, that's uh, a, a an Italian author. Uh, Monsignor Livio Molina, formerly of the John Paul II Institute, has a book in English, translated into English, uh, that is basically, the, you know, imitating the virtue. I think that's the title, imitating the virtues of Jesus. I forget the precise title. Uh, but again, it, it, the the Christocentrism of moral theology helped us to uh, reorient ourselves in the direction of uh, the. Uh, imitate the self-gift, the self-giving of Jesus, uh, especially, you know, on the, uh, uh, on the, the Paschal mystery that we are about to enter into uh, ourselves. Uh, so there is a, uh, a, a, a that, 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 that sense that all of the virtues have uh, an ability to be grounded and rooted in Christ, and especially Christ's gift of self. Uh, that uh, and you know that they all uh, uh, they, 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 the, the virtues virtuous life you might say is a way in which we apply to our daily life in this world the fruits of the paschal mystery okay, Jesus conquered sin and death he opened up a path to, uh, to, to faith hope and charity uh, and our Virtuous acts uh, uh, make that concrete. Uh, 
uh, you know, live out the values of the kingdom of heaven in this world. Okay. You might say, obviously, the opposite of this, and what we'll have to look at uh, going down the line, is the reality of sin. So when we look at, at sin, but look at, try to look at sin in the context of how we experience it. And by that I mean not our own individual, simply our own individual inclination to sin or struggle with sin, but where, where are we as a, as a world? Where are we as a culture? Uh, have we, as many people say, lost the sense of sin? Uh, the kind of, and I think this ground is shifting even as we speak, but the time maybe in the recent past with the, the, uh, with the sacrament of frequent confession going off the, the, the table, or people not going to confession at all and not missing it. Uh, was there, have we lost a sense of sin? Have we lost the sense to, to look at ourselves in any way beyond uh, just ourselves? Are we falling into that trap of conscience and saying, well, I don't think it's wrong for me without answering the question, look, is it wrong, period? Uh, so then we'll look at that. We'll look a little bit on the line. But but they say we have to, to look at it within the context. What, is, what are some of the reasons for that? Uh, and then how can we climb out of that hole? And then look at what, you know, the, the, the distinctions between mortal and venial sin. Uh, and the new category of, you might say, social sin. What does that mean? Uh, and then we'll be, you know, and then we will, I don't mean that we'll, we'll end that part of the course on a downer. Because we'll come back and see the importance of conversion and the growth in holiness, but we'll see, uh, you know, in the next in the, in the next in the time ahead, what we do with regards to uh, the, uh, uh, the, the sin and, and, and conversion. Now that leads me to the fact that as by our calculations, uh, I think the last last week uh, would be like the, the 3rd of May or something like that is that I don't have the calendar in front of me but my point is I think and I'm open to whatever you want I mean it, I, I think because of our current situation because of the fact that we were blessed with a relatively mild winter and we were blessed with having more classes than maybe other days of the week, I think if we keep a pontifical secret, I think we can take next week off. Uh, you know, again, there's an opportunity to again acknowledge the fact that the Lord has risen from the dead, and uh, and and also people need you know work on papers or whatever, uh, maybe to, to to free up some time there. Uh, but I think we can probably we can finish sin and then have another uh, an opportunity to go into, which is icing on the cake for us, to go into some of those particular issues uh, based on what you, you know, might, might propose, you know, as being particularly interesting or something like that. So again, I, I hope everybody's here. Uh, I can send out an email 
during the week, uh, next week to make to remind him. But I think we can take next week off. Uh, and uh, with that, I just say, you know, a blessed uh, Trinity woman, a blessed Easter and Easter season to you and your families. Continue to pray for each other. Uh, and especially for those who are suffering in this time of uh, uh, unprecedented crisis. Thanks. God bless. Thank you, Monsignor. Thank you. Happy Easter.